Let's turn then to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 10. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Let me just read those last two verses again. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. I've got a title for what I want to share this morning, and it's this. What we focus on will determine the way we live. What we focus on will determine the way we live. We're living in, a, in an age where we are becoming increasingly more aware of the way that we live affecting the outcome not just of our own well-being but also that of the planet. We see it in the numerous calls that are being made to reduce the CO2 emissions and to reduce the use of plastic. And I'm sure that we're all surprised when we see images that are shown of uh, the waterways and the seas where they show us the, the amount of waste and pollution and plastic that they pull out of the waterways and the rivers and the seas, which are so damaging so much of the marine life. And so we have a duty as human beings to look after the world in which we are living. But we also live in an age where we are constantly being informed of the need to do whatever we can 
to look after our physical well-being what we eat how often we eat and we've become what we would call a calorie conscious society and many have gone to great lengths to ensure that they do not eat certain products as they turn to become vegetarianism or vegan and part of the looking after our physical well-being has led to the surge over the last few decades of fitness and gyms where folk will spend a fortune in trying to keep trim and to keep in shape and I saw a joke the other day which which made me smile because I often think the same myself isn't it strange how someone will jump in a car and drive one or two miles to spend an hour in the gym to keep fit why not just walk there or jog there or why not walk or jog for an hour and save the gym subscription I just don't get it <laughs> but I'm not knocking those that do go to the gym I don't need to <laughs> see we we seek to do anything and everything we can to make ourselves look physically fit to keep ourselves in good shape and with a healthy lifestyle and we should look after our bodies our physical well-being is important and at the same time the same could be said concerning our mental well-being we need to make sure that we keep ourselves mentally well as well but what about the spiritual as we talk about the physical as we talk about the mental wellness what about the spiritual and as I was preparing and reading the scripture I wondered about how much time we spend in our week ensuring that we are fit and healthy spiritually for without wanting to undermine the importance of fitness in the other areas we need to remind ourselves that those things are temporal but our spiritual well-being is all to do about eternity and it doesn't matter whether we spend an hour a week or 20 hours a week doing physical exercise for at the end of the day we are only guaranteed three score years or maybe ten more if God chooses to allow us to live longer we can do what we like to enhance our physical looks we can even go to the extreme of surgery if you can afford it to improve our looks if we want to but at the end of the day it's all going to eventually just give up and it's going to waste away but the soul is going to go on into eternity and Paul gives us some practical advice in one of his epistles which says for while bodily training is of some value godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life that is to come 
And I've read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning, but in the previous chapter, chapter 4, Paul says that though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so do we ensure that we give opportunity for the inner man to be renewed and to be revigorated every day? I mentioned about the rubbish that is getting put into and flowing through our waterways, the rivers and the sea, and it is appalling. Shocking, as I've said, when you see the pictures. And we can say the same about our bodies. We can have access to so much food today, which, if consumed too often, could be called rubbish, damaging our physical well-being. And the same can be said for our mental well-being. We can read things, we can see things, which can be rubbish to our mind, and they don't help us with our mental well-being and if we're not careful we can allow what people say or even what we think about ourselves become rubbish that can affect the mind but of equal and actually of more importance how much rubbish do we allow into our lives that can have an effect upon us spiritually In our scripture today, Paul is reminding us that the physical or the outward man, our body, is temporary. The day is coming, is going to come, when we're all going to die physically. And the good news is that when we die physically, we're going to be clothed in our new, eternal, heavenly dwelling. That's verses 1 to 5. And so he says, let the inner man be renewed daily. That is the spirit, the soul, that which is eternal. But before we can go, uh, before we can know anything about a daily renewal of the inner man, we need to go through a radical change here on earth. A transformation needs to take place which Paul talks about in the same chapter in verses 15 to 16. And this radical change on earth needs to happen if a radical change is going to happen in heaven. And what is that radical change on earth? What is the transformation that needs to take place? Well, it is simply this. We need to have a born-again experience. We need to be saved. We need to be born again. We need to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know what it is to be made alive again. And it happens when we come by faith and to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is only then, when we are born again, that we become new creations. It is only from then on that the inner man can be renewed daily. For until the born again experience, it is dead. Spiritually dead because of our transgressions and sin. But when we come to Jesus, we are made spiritually alive. The inner man, the soul, the spirit is quickened and the old is gone and the new 
has come. And so it is those who are in Christ, those who are born again, those who are saved, who should be being renewed day by day. And to use a few words beginning with R to keep Ian happy, when we come to Jesus, we are redeemed. We're redeemed. I'm not going to enlarge on them. We're redeemed. When we come to Jesus, we are regenerated. When we come to Jesus, we are restored. When we come to Jesus, we are reconciled. And when we come to Jesus, we are renewed. And therefore, there needs to be the ongoing renewal program. And you know already that 2 Corinthians 5.17 is my favourite verse. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone, and the new has come. And to me, it is amazing that God was willing to take me, a sinner, and by his grace save me, and in that moment transform me into a new creation. But it is also amazing that in transforming me into a new creation, he's also prepared a future dwelling place for me. And not only has he prepared a future dwelling place for me, but scripture says he has prepared a new eternal body for me. And don't I need it? Don't I need it? And so there's another word begin with R. And it's the word resurrection, which is from the grave. Or should we be alive when Jesus comes again? There's another word beginning with R, and it's the word rapture, where we'll be raptured into his presence. And at that moment of the resurrection, or at that moment of the rapture, that uh, 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 this temporal tent, my body which is getting old, which is wearing out, which already has a few bits and pieces missing and which is decaying all the time, no matter how hard I try to prevent it, will be transformed. It will be radically changed into that which will be my eternal dwelling. And this is what we call the glorification of the body. And in our verses today, Paul says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's got a spiritual body, prepared and ready for each one of us that have been born again. And in his other letters, Paul writes this, Romans 8, 22 to 23. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth unto now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption of sons for the redemption of our bodies. And then in Philippians 3, verses 20 to 21, Paul writes this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. It's wonderful what God's got prepared for us. 
And I've used my favourite verse. And I'm going to go to my favourite chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. And it was difficult to know which verses to include and which verses to cut out. And so I've included quite a lot of them. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? It's a good question. It's a common sense question. How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. What is sown, uh, it is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. And so if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, a man of dust. The second man, that is Jesus, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as, we, just as we've been born, as we've borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. It's good news. It's good news. What God has got prepared for us. And back in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 2, we read the scripture that, that says, For in this tent we groan. The decaying is the groaning. In this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. And Paul uses the same word in Romans 8. We groan. But thanks be to God that the day is coming when the grave, if we have died, or the groaning, if we are still alive, will be changed to glory. That which will have perished if we have died, or is perishing if we are still alive, will be changed 
into the imperishable. Listen, folks, this morning. Don't worry about your body. God has got the body issue sorted out for us. It's sorted out for us. What we need to concentrate on is ensuring that the inner man is renewed day by day. As most of you know anyway, I was involved in the motor trade for 20 years. I was a, a finisher. A refinisher, sorry. I was a refinisher. That is that I concentrated on the, the spraying or the painting and the finishing of the vehicles. At the same time, I was also a recovery driver, getting called out all hours to collect vehicles that were involved in accidents. But as well, I was also involved in restoration work. And during the time working in restoration work, I've had the privilege to work on cars that were worth millions and millions of pounds. Ferraris, rare Ferraris, Rolls Royces, Bentleys and other rare cars as well. But it was always satisfying to work on one of these vehicles and to see the finished product. I've recently discovered on, the tele on television a program called Bangers and Cash. Didn't know it existed. But I knew the garage existed because I'd been there a few times. And I loved that program. Just watching the cars that are old and everything else. But this is the important thing. However good the restoration job has been, the vehicle still needs looking after afterwards. Why? To prevent it from falling back into the state that it had already been restored from. And you and I this morning, if we are born again by the Spirit of God, we have undergone an incredible work of restoration and transformation. God's grace has done an amazing job with our inner man. We were rotten because of sin. But he's taken the rot away and he's given to us a brand new start. He's given us a cleansed life. He's given us a new heart. And so we need to take care of what God has done with the inner man. So this takes me back to my title. What we focus on will determine the way we live. If we focus on what Christ has done and focus on what he has prepared for us, we will be determined not to live for ourselves and not to live for the desires of the flesh, but to live for him. We should be determined to ensure that we take priority. First and foremost, the number one thing should be in taking care of the spiritual man. Our soul, that by his grace, he has restored and rescued. And I can recall times when I've stood back and I've looked at a car that I've been involved in with restoring and as I've seen the finished product, I've been with delight. 
I have. I've beamed with delight. And I want to suggest this morning that God looks at you and me. And his heart is full of delight. We give him great joy. And why would ever one of my customers take the restored car and put it at risk? It's cost too much for the restoration work. And why would we, as the product of God's handiwork, God's restoration, ever put ourselves at risk in this world? Because it's cost too much. It's cost the blood of his son. I remember two occasions, time's getting on, but I remember two occasions, I had my own workshop as well as working in a garage. I'm living on a farm, it was easy enough to have a building that I could convert into a workshop. And so, not only did I do my normal job, but I also did work at home as well. And with a work colleague of mine, uh, he brought himself a, a car, a Jaguar Mark II it was, that needed restoring. And two of us together, we restored this Jaguar Mark II. And I remember him saying to me, we're getting to the point at the end of it, he said, I need it for such and such because I'm taking it to a show. So I worked all hours to get on with getting this car done, to get it painted, to get it refinished. And so I rang him and said, the car is ready. You can come and collect it. It's just ready to drive. So he came and collected it. On the Monday, I asked him how things had gone with the car. And he said, not so good. I've written it off. All that hard work. And within two days, the car was written off. And the same for a cousin of mine. He brought what was a rare Reynolds R8. And he had his own workshop as well. We lived on neighbouring farms. So his was in his workshop. And I was working all hours with him to restore this car because he needed to take it to an event. It was one for rallying and stuff like that. And I can remember finishing at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning to get the car completed because he was going off later in the day with it and I got home. Saw him on the Sunday. How's the car gun? gone? The same. I've written it off. I've written it off. Imagine how I felt when I heard what had happened. After all the hard work, within a few hours, both cars written off. Listen this morning. Imagine how the heart of God must feel if we have tasted of his grace and yet fall back again into the trash of the world. We find the world more attractive than being in God's presence. We find the things of the world give us more pleasure than the things of God. He's restored us. He's saved us. He's transformed us. Imagine how the heart of God must feel if we've tasted of his grace and yet fall back again into the trash of this world. May we this morning be determined to guard our hearts, 
to do all we can to be daily renewed so that we will endure to the end and arrive at that glorious moment when this old tent will be replaced with a new heavenly dwelling that will never perish, never corrupt and will never ever need restoring or renewing because it will have an eternal guarantee placed upon it, paid by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be determined to focus upon and to set our desires on that which is eternal. Let what lies ahead be that which determines the way that we live in the present.